florist turned fraudster Catherine O'Brien has left a trail of destruction in her wake and now she is being hunted by Gardaí. I'm Anne Murphy and this is Catherine the Fake, an Irish Examiner investigative podcast. Since the first episodes of the Catherine the Fake podcast were released, we have received numerous questions about the activities of Catherine O'Brien across Ireland. On this latest episode, I discuss the answers to some of those questions with Irish Examiner news editor Deirdre O'Shaughnessy. Anne has been working on this story for us over the past few months. Catherine the Fake has got a pretty solid online following now and offline indeed. Her print exploits are being followed just as much as the audio. But a lot of people have come back to us with questions, Anne, about where we came across this story, how you've investigated the story, and some of the details maybe that haven't been covered in the podcast to date or in some of the print articles. So we promised we'd do this Q&A for people on Twitter and in various other online locations. So here it is. So I'm going to go through some of the more commonly asked questions with you, if that's okay. No problem at all. Um, She's certainly a character that seems to have captured... um, the imagination of a lot of people everywhere I go since we uh, broadcast the first podcasts. People are asking me questions. You mentioned online, but also offline. Very much people of all ages, even young children, are asking me, how did I hear of Catherine the Fake? So, and how did we stumble on Catherine O'Brien originally? Well, last April, a case came before the courts in Watford and it was a, a reporter down there, Owen Dalton, who actually brought her to our attention for stay. And I caught up with him actually in the last couple of days and chatted with him about that case um, and we can take a listen to that now. This was a case that came pretty much out of nowhere. I went in, as you would, I suppose, any other day. You're looking for the usual court fair that would be coming up. But um, details were said in court by the defence and prosecuting barristers of a case involving an alleged romance fraud scheme that took place in West Waterford. And some of the complaints that were being made, I suppose, by the barristers that day in court in April was that there were no delays as the chief witness and complainant could not be found. And that chief witness and complainant was Catherine O'Brien, who the court had listed as formerly of Ballon Road, Dungarvan. And obviously there was some reference made, I think, in, in that case as well, in that hearing on about cases that were live and being investigated involving Catherine O'Brien, as far as I'm aware. Exactly that. And this was part of the the complaints around that there was a, a concern from the defence side that uh, the case may never go ahead as Catherine O'Brien could not be found. It was Conor Roberts, the defence barrister, and we'll come to who he was defending in a moment. But he said that the alleged injured party, i.e. O'Brien, was a suspect in a number of investigations by Gardaí, but could not be found in relation to those matters. And that essentially he was asking for the defence to be provided with an update on whether Miss O'Brien would ever appear for the case. And uh, Conor O'Doherty is the state prosecutor in Waterford. He told the court that uh, Miss O'Brien was the subject of other investigations and ongoing gather efforts had not located her at that time. And he simply added that Catherine O'Brien was not contactable. And so like, if we take to what was actually, I suppose, what the court was supposed to hear that day, yes. uh, it was a an alleged fraud in relation to bloodstock, thoroughbred horses, affecting a woman and a man who the court heard was quite ill. 
and who allegedly had lost up to 60,000 euro as a result of the scheme. The woman in this case was Catherine O'Brien. And uh, the men charged in relation to the case were Gary Deneen, a 26-year-old man from Forest Court in Swords in Dublin, and Robert O'Toole, a 35-year-old man from Woodlands, Phillipsbar, Marino in Dublin Tree. And they were both accused of a single count of demanding money with menace from Catherine O'Brien under the Criminal Justice Public Order Act 1994. And the court heard that these demands were allegedly made in a location unknown in the Dungarvan district on September 18, 2019. And at that point, and as far as I still understand it, no pleas had been entered by the two accused, Deneen or O'Toole. And uh, essentially, the, the, the case, uh, to the best of my knowledge, has not gone anywhere as Catherine O'Brien, the chief complainant, the complainant and chief witness, could not be traced. As you say, it's one of those cases that's still at a standstill as we wait to find out where Catherine O'Brien is and if indeed she will turn up. It is indeed. And those names of those men, they have appeared on recent court listings again. But as I understand it, there has been no movement on the case. And you know, I suppose your own efforts and Gardy's efforts trying to find the alleged injured party in this case has not been too successful. And, you know, I suppose we take to what Judge Eugene O'Kelly said that day in April, that like in the absence of Catherine O'Brien's participation, he felt he could not proceed with bringing O'Toole or Deneen before a jury and that it would be inappropriate to list the matter for trial. It's basically a case that's in limbo. Okay, thank you very much for that, Owen. Thanks very much, Anne. So, after you spoke to Owen, we discovered that there was a cab judgment against her. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yes, a cab judgment was made in the High Court in February of this year, so just two months before she came on on our radar. She was the subject of High Court order in favour of the Criminal Assets Bureau who had sought to retain a vehicle that they had seized in relation to Catherine O'Brien investigation that had been ongoing for quite a while. A Land Rover Discovery 151 registered vehicle was seized from her and um, the Criminal Assets Bureau have been given permission to retain the vehicle on the grounds that it was believed to be um, the subject of fraudulent gains. Okay, so one of the things that people often comment on Facebook pages of news outlets on Twitter is, is this news? Why do we care about this story? I think people certainly ask a lot, why is this news? But I think with Catherine O'Brien, it certainly is news. It's a story that has been going on for several years, actually over two decades. Catherine O'Brien has been active and it's news because obviously there have been two cases this year where uh, she has uh, cases relating to her at least have been before the courts. But it's also newsworthy because Catherine O'Brien is currently on the run. There was a bench warrant out for her arrest in relation to an animal cruelty case relating to more than 30 horses, which were seized after being found in an emaciated state in Ballygarrett in County Wexford just over two years ago now. And last year in June of 2021, Catherine O'Brien was found guilty in her absence and a bench warrant was issued for her arrest because the judge of the day had opted not to sentence her in her absence. And to date, there is a judicial review going through the courts in respect of that. Ms. O'Brien is seeking to challenge the conviction in her absence through the judicial review, and that is up for hearing again next July. So this isn't over, I suppose. A lot of the stuff that's happened in it, it has happened a number of years ago. 
But as far as you're concerned, she's still at large. There's still people who are left without homes, without money, and they want answers as well as, as I guess, justice. Absolutely. I mean, we, we do know of one case where over 20 years ago, a family um, involving Catherine lost a, a lot of money through business ventures, made a report to Gerdy, and unfortunately, they didn't manage to get their, their money back. And um, there are a lot of cases that are currently coming to our attention. Some of them have been reported to the guards, others haven't, because people are embarrassed because of Gerdy say that a lot when it comes to um, scams, frauds, unrepaid loans. People are ashamed, I suppose, that they got caught up in somebody's schemes or that maybe how they met the person who took money from them may not be something that they want to share with the public. For example, in some cases in, in relation to Catherine O'Brien, people met her through dating websites. Other people became aware of investment opportunities that she was offering to people on investment website forums. And there was also uh, cases where people came across her through friendships. Now, the guards are actually currently hoping that they can locate Catherine O'Brien um, in relation to six live investigations, a number of which the DPP has ordered that prosecutions be made in some of those. And guards are actually very anxious to get in touch with her and to find her. But to date, they haven't been so lucky. So people are meeting her through a whole lot of different avenues. There is no one set MO to, to what she does. There's no particular thing people should be watching out for. I mean, in some respects, people have made the comparison with the story of Katrina Carey, but it's, it's quite different in, in, in a lot of respects, isn't it? It is because, as you mentioned, the nobody has the same story. Well, some people in the horse sector in the last four to five years have come across her and there have been... Um, the current investigations that Gardaí are carrying out relate specifically to that area where investment opportunities in uh, horse syndicates and property relating to horses as well were a common denominator in those cases over the last four to five years, as I say. But previous to that, the veterinary industry was one that she uh, focused on heavily for a number of years, opening veterinary supplies business down in Dungarvan, where she has a home. And also, I hope there were plans to open one in Boston, her native place. This was in conjunction with a number of people that she met in County Clare, where she made a lot of contacts after meeting a man in Clare through a dating website. She became very ensconced in life in West Clare for a number of years and has left a trail of destruction there too. Um, one family lost a lot of money through one member's involvement with Catherine O'Brien. And that case was highlighted in the judgment made in favour of the criminal assets bureau that we mentioned earlier on that uh, occurred in February. And in that judgment, a lot of references made to um, how she, you know, became involved in setting up these businesses in Buttevant and in Dungarvan. And there was reference made to signatures that were on documents and which were purporting to be belonging to a friend of hers called Nicola Minahan, but actually weren't uh, Nicola Minahan's handwriting at all. And that lady actually became a friend of Catherine O'Brien after meeting her through a relative. And she went on to become involved in businesses with Catherine O'Brien and ultimately lost two of her um, properties down in uh, Strad Valley Village outside Dungarvan when she agreed to mortgage the properties to help Catherine O'Brien fund the business. And unfortunately, she never got her money back and uh, the houses um, were lost to her. And she now lives in rented accommodation. And her backstory is actually very interesting because she was a member of the aristocracy 
and uh, she would have been raised in, in a very grand house down outside Strad Valley Village and unfortunately she's now living, as I mentioned, in rented accommodation. Getting people to trust her in the way that she has done is, is obviously quite a skill. We've had a number of people who have said she's obviously very clever and very, very um, convincing and, and just very clever in how she goes about her, her plans. How does she get people to trust her? Like what kind of tactics does she use? And there's been a number of ways that she gains trust. I suppose friendship is one thing that she has used a lot. She has befriended a number of older ladies and managed to get their trust. There was an almost motherly relationship between herself and, and Nicola Minahan, as in Nicola Minahan would admit herself that you know, they had a very close bond and that her children were uh, close to her as well. But then there have been cases where people, especially in the horse industry, have told me that they have recommended Catherine O'Brien as being a good person to get in touch with or to get into business with. And then the person that makes the recommendation and their friend ultimately both get born. There have been cases where people have fallen out with family, they've fallen out with friends, they've fallen out with acquaintances because people blame each other for getting involved with Catherine O'Brien and ultimately losing money. With the number of people that we've encountered at this point, at this stage, we've spoken to Nicola Minahan, we've spoken to people in Clare. In the next couple of podcasts, you're going to be speaking to a couple more of her victims. How has she not been caught? Very hard to know why ultimately she has not been caught, but there's a number of facets, I suppose, to it. Number one key to keeping her identity hidden is that there's hardly any photographs available of Catherine O'Brien. I know for a fact that she was attending an event back in May of this year, and I've spoken to a a person that was attending that event, and Catherine O'Brien only appeared near the end when there was no opportunities for photographs, and they they were all gone. It's very rare to find photographs of her Um, attending any events, even though she would have been very well known down in Dungarvan and mixed in in business circles and she mixes in horsey circles. There's no photographs of her attending big events like Punchestown or Galway races in in the the glamorous outfits that we come to associate with Ladies Day or anything like that. There is one photograph that we do know that did exist as one of her in Rome in the Vatican during an audience with Pope Benedict. But I do know of somebody who has seen that picture and and a number of others who had seen it as well. But unfortunately, I haven't been able to see it yet. But that's one key way that she has managed to keep under the radar. She also is very hesitant to, to put her name to any document. In the early days when she was setting up businesses, her name was on them um, and can be seen in documents that we have accessed from the company registrations office. But that is no longer the case. In a, in a lot of cases, it's somebody else who puts their name to it, somebody else who fronts a business that she's connected with. And that has been highlighted in the cab judgment in February, where she was not a signatory on checks or anything connected to the business in relation to the veterinary business. So the lack of photographic evidence obviously is a bit of an issue for the guards and for us. In terms of the number of different investigations that are open into her, we know there are six and we know that they've spanned a whole load of different industries, different kind of MOs. Are there other people helping her? Primarily, she acts on her own, but there are a number of people who have been involved with her in the horse industry over the last couple of years. One man in the south of the country, another man um, in the Midlands. But she is the primary person involved in in all of these different schemes. 
over the number of years in relation to the ones in Clare and the, the veterinary business. She did appear to be acting alone. As I say, she did obviously get people involved in the schemes that she was running there, but they were victims and they unfortunately are, are still, you know, left there hanging with, with nothing coming out of it. There are suggestions that she does have a number of people that she meets on a casual basis, you know, just comes across them and that they eventually become, you know, part of her entourage, as you, as you will. There have been a number of people seen with her at race meetings, for example, a number of men usually, and that they would act as go-betweens as well on occasions with people, particularly in the horse industry, organising deals and so on. No, it, it, she is actually on the forfeit list published most recently by the Horse Racing Ireland, which means that she cannot actually have horses running in her name um, in racing in Ireland. So obviously, if she was going to be involved in that area, she probably does need somebody to assist her. What's she spending the money on? Well, it's very difficult to know what she's spending the money on because she is very under the radar, particularly over the last year or so. But we do know that she um, does like to drive nice cars and that's illustrated by the seizure by cab of the Land Rover Discovery, which we have mentioned in the cab judgment. We know that she has spent a lot of money buying thoroughbred horses and the horses that were seized in Ballygarrett and Wexford, they were thoroughbred animals. And that was one thing which the Irish Horse Welfare Trust, which are now looking after the animals, were finding very difficult because it is very expensive to look after a thoroughbred horse, very expensive in relation to feed and uh, care and welfare and vets bills, etc. So obviously, if you know if, if she is spending high figures on purchasing these horses, then the welfare and care was something that obviously wasn't a big part of it when it came to the to the Wexford seizure. But over the years, I'm sure it was, and I do know that. She has, you know, purchased the, like the best horse boxes and, and that kind of things. Also holidays for her family. We know that she took um, her children and Nicola Minahan to Lapland one year and all expenses were paid according to Nicola Minahan. She didn't have to take any money off her pocket. Everything was coming from Catherine O'Brien. We have an upcoming podcast with a man called Dennis English. He came across her when he was in trouble with his properties in Marlfield House and Knock Lofty in Tipperary. He tells of being wined and dined by Catherine O'Brien in um, a beautiful restaurant in the Nair Valley. And he tells as well of being wined and dined by her when he was taken to receivers that were supposed to be moving in on his properties by Catherine O'Brien. She claimed to have everything sorted out for him and brought him home, but not without stopping for um, a meal that she paid for. So she obviously has um, has her house down in Watford, but she's not living in, in extravagant palatial means or anything like that. But obviously um, material goods such as, as the horses, stables, vehicles, they seem to be attracting money and obviously high life holidays too. At this point, there are so many people looking out for her, you would imagine. That it's pretty surprising she hasn't been spotted somewhere, particularly as while her influence spreads far and wide. And we have, I know you've been speaking to victims of hers all over the country, but actually outside of the country as well. Um, and people that she's been involved with in businesses outside of the country too. Do we have any idea where she is now? We don't really have an idea. Now, the, the Gardaí are quite confident that she has not left the country. There have been a number of people come forward to me saying that there has been sightings of her in parts of North Cork over the last year. 
there has also been one person came forward to me who was in our company at Stormony in UCC earlier this year. So she hasn't totally gone to ground. She obviously a few key people know where she is. She's just not very actively being seen at the moment. But her house down in Dungarvan is still being visited on a regular basis for a collection of posts, etc. And people have told me that relatives, um, some relatives at least, have had contact from her fairly regularly as well over the last while. Does this suggest that maybe the guards aren't that sort of proactively looking for her? We do know that the guards in Dungarvan are very proactive in looking for her, but it seems to be that because her trade is so wide and it's and, and the net is spread from all, all across the country now at this point, it's very hard to know, is there a streamlined approach to targeting Catherine O'Brien? Obviously, the um, CAD judgment would have been a big dent to her ego, I'm, I'm sure. And it probably does show that she is on the national radar, you know, when it comes to the, the Garda action on her. But in relation to the current investigations, I mean, they, they're relatively small for what we have come across. We have come across certainly more than a dozen people have spoken to me on the record. Some do not want to be identified, but they have, you know, supplied me with documents and everything relating to their involvement with Catherine O'Brien. And some of them would willingly tell me that they haven't gone to the guards because um, one person was embarrassed. He did not want, you know, to, I suppose, people to know how he came across her. And also he asked me, would there have been any point? Was there anything that they could have done? I do know of another man in the Midlands who was quite desperate to find her and he regularly contacts me about her. Any hint whatsoever that he hears, um, you know, in relation to Catherine O'Brien, he will cling on to every hope to find her. And he has made a report to the guards in, in his local town and they are apparently linking up with guards in Dungarvan in relation to it. But at the moment, she is relatively low profile when you consider that she has seeming to have been active for more than 20 years. You know, like Katrina Carey's case was catapulted into the spotlight very quickly compared to mm. uh, Catherine O'Brien for some reason. And it's very hard to understand yeah. why that is the case. I mean, it's probably very hard to quantify, but I think the question most people would want answered is how much money? Can we put any kind of a number on how much money from, say, the dozen people that have spoken to you do we think it is? Certainly in the millions. There are, um, like, one person lost um, up to half a million and a member of the family close to that person would estimate it. It's actually a lot more than that when you consider that other members of that person's family were also, you know, duped out of money. There have been, obviously, we, with the case in relation to Nicola Menahan, she lost two houses in relation to that. We have another podcast coming up shortly of a woman whose family secured a judgment close to 300,000 in relation to that case. So like the, the numbers are adding up. There are a number of people who invested money, one person up to 100,000 euro, another person who met her on an investment form uh, lost 20,000 euro. There's uh, 60,000 euro for involvement in a horse industry scam. So there's there's loads of money that's that's coming into our attention, but the money rises with each week. And every phone call that you make, there's a suggestion of another person I should be ringing, that this mm. person has lost money and that the next person you ring will also have an, at least another person that you should ring. There are also bills outstanding with trainers, horse trainers across the country that haven't been paid. So there's outstanding debts there as well as as, um, as well as frauds. There's a couple of particularly unusual characteristics of this case as well, where... 
sort of random appearances of, of big names along the road of Catherine O'Brien's deceptions. The Pope? How is the Pope involved in all this? The Pope is involved in this because Catherine O'Brien's brother, um, Monsignor James O'Brien, he um, is now a priest in the Cline Diocese, but previously he was seconded to the Vatican where he was in the Congregation of Divine Worship and Catherine O'Brien travelled there um, on one occasion at least and had an audience with Pope Benedict. And she, um, yes, she would have been very proud of her brother being in the Vatican. And a um, number of people have told me of how many times that she would have mentioned that and, and mentioned traveling to the Vatican and um, being proud in how um, her brother's role, um, you know, had evolved there. She also came across David Norris, who was quite well known, obviously, and she had approached him in relation to a horse which she claimed was gay and she asked him to come to the stable yard where the horse was so that she could seek his advice on it. Senator Norris told me that she wanted to involve him in, in some business which he can't really re- recall right now but he um, he said that he was one of, you know he was lucky enough to um, not get involved. Yeah there's definitely between that and the, the people kind of the, the members of the landed gentry that she's approached there's certainly a an interest in, in kind of the high life and, and celebrity circles, isn't there? What happens next? Basically what happens next is that guards are waiting for her to turn up somewhere and hope to arrest her. Uh, she's obviously got the, the bench warrant is outstanding. So if she does turn up, she will be arrested for that. But also she can be arrested in relation to the, um, the DPP's wish to prosecute her in relation to the uh, number of live investigations into frauds in the horse industry. But obviously, she's sought to take a judicial review now in, in respect of the animal cruelty case. So the next date that we know of that she could possibly turn up for something is in July of next year for that case. So it'll be interesting to see what happens between here and then. And if she doesn't turn up between here and then, will she turn up for that case? And Murphy, keep us posted. Thank you very much. As we have mentioned in this podcast, two more episodes of Catherine the Fake will drop on December 26th. Hear how the Cork woman brought one of her marks to an audience with Pope Benedict in Rome and convinced one desperate property owner she was in the pay of a Nimirati royal who could solve his money woes. The Gardaí are looking for Catherine O'Brien and so are those who have lost money, friends and even family due to her actions. The Irish Examiner is looking for her too. If you have information relating to her whereabouts... Contact me on n.murphy at examiner.ie.